Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. And when Jesus came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in all Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done unto you. And his servant was healed that very same hour. message of the gospel is that God has appeared on earth in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus shows forth or manifests the glory of God incarnate. The coming of Jesus is the coming of the King, the Lord of life who brings hope and healing to all who believe upon him and enter into the reign of his kingdom. Our gospel story in Matthew chapter 8 comes immediately after the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has just announced to his disciples the standards for entering his kingdom and clearly presents the way of access to it. 
But now Jesus comes down off the mountain to meet the surging crowds who are eager to follow him. Many of these people still have questions on their minds. Who is this man? Could one who teaches with such authority and clarity be the promised Messiah? If so, can he bring about the changes necessary to institute the kingdom of which he speaks? The answer, friends, is that Jesus Christ has all authority and power to do exactly as he promises. He is asking us to trust him and follow him completely. Matthew places the story of the cleansing of the leper and the healing of the centurion's servant after the Sermon on the Mount to authenticate the king to Israel and prove that Jesus is able to do what he says. Matthew provides the credentials of the king, a portrait of Jesus the healer. Matthew groups together nine miracles, the first three of which deal with bodily healing. Jesus is the great physician with power and authority to cure leprosy, palsy or paralysis, and fever. We also see in this chapter that the leper is a Jew and the centurion's servant is a Gentile. One of the overarching purposes of Matthew's gospel is to show that Jesus creates one new community of faith, composed of both Jews and Gentiles. Let's look first at the healing of the leper. Leprosy was a hideous, incurable disease which terrified the ancient world. For many centuries, it was considered a curse from God, causing the body to deteriorate and deform, but not killing its possessor. Tumor-like growths appeared, causing disfigurement of the skin and bones and twisting of the limbs. Leprosy destroyed nerve endings so that rats would eat the fingers and toes of these dear people during sleep, and they would be unaware. Hair and eyebrows fell out. Hands and feet became a mass of ulcers and decaying flesh. Matthew places the cure of the leper first in the series of healings because of the seriousness of this disease. Leprosy in the Jewish mindset was regarded as punishment for sin. One Old Testament scholar writes, Every leper was a living sermon, a loud admonition to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The exclusion of lepers from the camp and from the holy city conveyed figuratively the same lesson as the New Testament passage in Ephesians 5.5. 5. For you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. The Hebrew word for leprosy is smiting because it was believed to be brought by God as punishment against sin. This is why a leper who is healed must offer for his cleansing both a burnt offering and a sin offering as a sign of atonement for sin. Because of the tragedy of this illness, lepers were banished from human society. Everywhere they went, they were required by law to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And people avoided them like the plague. 
In reality, a leper was a dead man before the grave. He would live, work, and die alone. You can imagine the unbearable emotional loneliness of no human contact for years at a time. The leper in our gospel story broke all these rules of isolation and walked straight up to Jesus. Verse 2 says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Luke says that he fell on his face and made his appeal to Jesus. What a remarkable statement. This was a bold confession, for everyone knew that only God could cleanse a leper. It was also a request filled with faith, desire, humility, and submissiveness, beautifully woven together, which signaled the seed of discipleship in this man's heart. The leper did not demand of Jesus, but left to him the decision whether he is to be freed from his horrible living death. What was Jesus' response to the leper? Mark says, Moved with compassion, he put forth his hand and touched him. No one else dared come near a person with rotting flesh for fear of being infected. But Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man. Immediately he was healed. Pink, healthy, smooth flesh like a little child appeared. This is the healing love of Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus has pity on sinners like you and me because his pity is the outflow of God's divine love. He reaches out his hand to touch the rotting flesh of leprosy because leprosy is a symbol of the punishment of sin. Here we have a parable of the Incarnation. Jesus assumes our flesh of sin and yet remains himself without sin. He doesn't contract the disease of sin, but by assuming our flesh cleanses it and purifies it. Jesus is our great high priest to whom the law gives the privilege of laying his hand upon the leper to pronounce him clean. Let's enter fully into this story and learn from the leper. First, the leper came to Jesus and worshipped him. He humbled himself and brought his abject need before the Lord of glory. Why is it that more people today don't receive the touch of Jesus Christ in their lives? Because they will not bow before him in humble adoration. The only appropriate response to Jesus Christ is adoration and love. Jesus is not a genie who grants us three wishes, nor is he a divine Santa Claus who gives us presents if we ask hard enough. Jesus is God. He is high, holy, exalted, and transcendent in glory and majesty. Why is it that a man will bow his knee to propose to the woman he loves, but refuse to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the mighty God, everlasting Father, King over all the universe? Then notice that after the leper worshipped Jesus, he brought his pressing need to him. He said, Lord, if you will. This is the cry of a believing, trusting heart, 
we come, we bow, we cry out in our need, Lord, if you will. There is no demanding and no bargaining, simply a surrendered heart and a humble request. Isaiah 57 says, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 30 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious unto you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. The leper humbly bowed to Jesus in adoration and worship. His approach was one of faith, desire, humility, and submissiveness. Is our attitude and posture towards Jesus the same? Once the healing occurs, Jesus tells the leper to go to the priest and present the offering commanded by Moses. He does this for two reasons. First, he wants to show to his opponents that he is not abolishing the law but actually fulfilling it. And second, he wants to show the priest that the leper had been cleansed, not by observing the law, but by the creation of God's grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. The second showing forth of Jesus' power and compassionate authority to heal involved the Roman centurion. This centurion was a rare man because he was concerned about his servant suffering and in great pain. Roman non-commissioned officers were not known for their compassion towards their slaves. In Roman times, slaves were considered mere tools in the hands of the master. They had no legal rights and could be mistreated, beaten, or killed at the whim of their owners. Cato, the Roman historian, in giving advice to a man looking over a farm, wrote, Look over the livestock and hold a sail. Sell worn-out oxen, blemished sheep, and old or sickly slaves. Gaius, the Roman legal expert, said it is universally accepted that the master possesses the power of life and death over the slave. As a result, merciless, ill-tempered masters often abused their female servants and cruelly beat their male servants at will. This Roman centurion was different. He cared about his servant as a person and was interested in his well-being. He took the trouble to come find Jesus and beg him to heal a person in great pain. Let's put together the pieces of the story. Here is a Roman centurion responsible for a group of a hundred men under his command. Centurions were the finest, most respected men in the Roman army and always mentioned in the New Testament with honor. This man came up to Jesus as he entered Capernaum and earnestly entreated him. Although the text does not directly use the word worship as in the case of the leper, it is safe to assume that the centurion also bowed low before Jesus and worshipped him as he made his request. This is a respected Gentile Roman military officer asking a Jewish rabbi for help. He likely had heard of the authority and power of Jesus to heal and believed him to be who he said he was. Perhaps he had heard Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
I am the light of the world. No ordinary human being had the authority to make such statements as did Jesus make. So the centurion tells Jesus about his slave who was sick of the palsy and grievously tormented. Jesus says in verse 7, I will come and heal him. The centurion immediately declines, saying in verse 8, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He tells Jesus that he knows what authority is and acknowledges that Jesus has supreme authority. He says in verse 9, I am a man under authority. I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another man, come, and he comes. He says to Jesus, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. The centurion compares the authority of Jesus over disease to the authority he exercises over the soldiers under his command. He sees the issue not so much as one of illness and healing, but of authority over all illness and disease, an authority he believes Jesus possesses. And friends, the centurion was right. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. He waits for us to put our complete trust and faith in his authority. Therefore, in verse 10, Jesus marvels at the centurion's faith. Truly, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all Israel. Jesus says that many shall come from the east and from the west to recline with Abraham in the kingdom of heaven. That is, by faith, surrender to Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, and become members of God's eternal family. But the sons of the kingdom will be rejected, cast out into the outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are sober words, my friends. Jesus here describes the bitter sorrow and deep regret of eternal damnation. Many who have heard the life-changing message of the gospel will be on the outside of the kingdom because they have rejected their Savior and Lord. But others from all over the world shall enter into the joy and peace of the kingdom. 
How could such a thing be? Because in large measure, people have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as their king. They remain hostile or simply indifferent to Christ. Friends, this is a great tragedy. My heart is filled with fervent prayers to God that his spirit will turn the hearts of all people to love and believe in the Messiah, beginning with the Jewish nation who are God's chosen people, and then to all the Gentile nations of the world. To everyone in my listening audience who has not yet embraced Jesus Christ as the Messiah, I say, come to Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Trust in the one to whom all the Old Testament scriptures testify. The Old Testament was written over a period of 1,500 years and contains more than 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah to come. Every one of these prophecies was specifically fulfilled by the coming of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The glorious good news is that God, by his Holy Spirit, is transforming the hearts of people with the gospel in dramatic ways around the world this moment. Many are turning to Christ in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. Dear friend, is God's Spirit drawing you into union and communion with the Lord Jesus? Open your heart to Him and receive the grace of His gospel and the hope of eternal life. Now what may be learned from the healing of the leper and the centurion's servant? An ancient prayer aids our understanding. It reads, God who knows us to be set in the midst of so many and great dangers that for man's frailness we cannot always stand upright, grant to us the health of body and soul that all those things which we suffer for sin, by your help we may well pass and overcome through Christ our Lord. The leper and the suffering servant of the centurion in our story face the grave danger of serious disease and their frailty to stand upright. But far from succumbing to a passive victimhood mentality all too common in modern culture, a fervent request for help is made. The prayer is for one thing, health of body and soul, in order that we may live wisely and well in obedience to God. Both the leper and the centurion in our gospel demonstrate the qualities of one who is wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus Christ. They are faith, desire, humility, and submissiveness. Both these men came to Jesus worshipped him, submitted to his authority, and asked for his healing power in their lives. Do we have faith to do the same today? May God help us to come, worship, submit, and ask, for no one who does these things was ever turned away by the Lord Jesus. Jesus reached out and touched a leper, and he was miraculously cured. Then by his sovereign power he spoke a word of healing, and the centurion's servant was made whole. Such is the love of Jesus the healer for his people. 
If he did such wonderful works while incarnate upon the earth, is there anything that Jesus cannot do while reigning now at his Father's right hand in heaven? Friends, whatever it is that troubles you, bring that entirely to Jesus and place it before him. Take your need for healing and wholeness, whether spiritual or physical, and bow humbly in worship before the Lord Jesus. Say with the leper, if you will, you can make me clean. Then hear Jesus say to you, I will be clean. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done unto you. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.